0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Mark True with True Farms in Plainview, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: Hello Texas, I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas cotton acreage is dropping as we move through harvest. This summer's drought has taken a lot of cotton acres out of production. And that continues as we move on through the growing season. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: With the winter wheat season upon us, Texas High Plains farmers face some considerations about crop insurance. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
4: Average pasture land values are up in Texas, depending on location. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have an analysis straight ahead on Texas Ag Today.
5: During early September, coastal bend farmers have been catching up on unfinished field work. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton acreage in Texas is decreasing as we move through harvest. The recent September USDA crop production report shows that harvested acreage has dropped from 3.9 million acres last month to 3.5 million this month. Overall cotton production is still the same at 4.2 million bales because USDA increased the yield from 517 pounds per acre up to 568. That overall 4.2 million bale crop will be 37% higher than last year. Texas corn production dropped slightly in the report from 293 million bushels last month to 290 million this month. Harvested acreage for corn is steady at 2.2 million acres. Texas sorghum production went up in this latest report from 93.5 million bushels last month to 94.5 million this month. Harvested acreage for Texas sorghum now stands at 1.75 million acres. The drought is taking a toll on Texas pecan production.
6: According to Dr. Larry Stein, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturalist, pecan production is looking positive in areas that had water available for irrigation. But drought is playing a significant role in the quality of the crop. Areas that received rainfall or had water available for irrigation have seen the crop continue as usual this year, but in areas without irrigation, pecan production is down as some of those trees have died. AgriLife reports that some early native pecan varieties like Pawnee and Eclipse have already started opening up, and the varieties look exceptional. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
2: Wheat planting
6: is now getting underway here in Texas,
2: and having the right fertility at planting can make a big difference. John Fenderson is the Texas agronomist for Westbred Wheat. He says the amount of fertilizer depends on whether you're going to graze or not.
7: If we're going to plant for grazing, we're going to plant a little earlier, certainly need to think about putting down somewhere around 50, 60 pounds to drive that fall forage growth, I think. If you're not going to graze, I wouldn't recommend putting down more than 30 pounds of nitrogen. If you want to put that with the seed, if you've got moisture at planting time, certainly putting that in as a pop-up type fertilizer with some phosphate fertilizer is certainly the way to go. I know everyone does have that capability where. The drill. Uh, I've said it and I'll say it again. That's the lowest hanging fruit on the tree is pop-up fertilizer.
2: Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. Winter wheat planting is now underway. James Hunt tells us Texas High Plains wheat growers now face some consideration about crop insurance.
3: Many Texas High Plains wheat farmers have some crop insurance decisions to make. Here's Rachel Myers with Myers Crop
8: Insurance in
3: Claude.
8: September 30th is the deadline to make any changes to your multi peril wheat crop insurance policy. Or, you know, if you have barley or triticale or other fall forage crops on that policy, that's the time to change your coverage level. If you need to add new counties to your policy, really just really good policy maintenance time of year. Um, price-wise, we're down quite a bit from last year on the wheat price. And so that's changing what our quotes look like. So it's a great time to sit down with your agent and reevaluate the coverage levels that you have and make sure that that's gonna cover what you need for the year. The other big decision that producers are faced with is we had some significant changes to the annual forage policy that a lot of growers are using. That's the rainfall-based policy on wheat. We are now at monthly acreage reports. So if a producer plants wheat in the month of September, those acres have to be reported to their agent by October 5th. So that's really pushing up a decision there on how they want to choose to ensure their crop this year.
3: In terms of where we're headed with winter wheat in our area, Myers is waiting to see what choices producers make following the summer crop season.
8: We've got a lot of acres still tied up in other crops right now. You know, there was a lot of hay grazer and grain sorghum and different things planted with the summer moisture that we had early. So it'll be interesting to see timing wise how quickly that crop comes off and if producers go immediately back to wheat or if they lay those acres out to go back to, you know, cotton or grain sorghum next spring. But for
3: those who do plant wheat, Myers hopes they finally get favorable weather.
8: We've been promised this El Nino winter with lots of moisture. I hope it's true. I hope we finally have a great wheat year because We've come off of some pretty tough ones the last 10 plus years.
3: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Texas pasture land values continue to climb higher. Tom Nicoletti has the story. More today
4: on rural land values in Texas provided by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall offers his analysis of the numbers. Now, as we look at pasture land in Texas, and by the way, this is the value of the land that is normally grazed by livestock. The average value of a Texas pasture land, according to the report, is $2,200 per acre. That's an increase of 7% from a year ago.
0: You bet,
7: Tom. And that's not a surprising number because most of the rural land sales that have a a recreational component to it would be classified as pasture. And so that's where a lot of the new sales have been. So that's not surprising. You could also consider that Pasture land, by definition, can have a very wide variety of stock density from the east part of the state to the west part of the state or the north part of the state to the south part of the state. So there's a lot of variety there. And as an average, it still shows a very healthy growth.
4: So Tyler, let's look at Texas cropland from an irrigated and non-irrigated standpoint. In 2023, the irrigated cropland was valued at $3,050 per acre, up 7%, whereas non-irrigated valued at $2,520 per acre, up 7.2%.
7: And in Texas, uniquely, those sales are going to be limited in different ways. On the irrigated side, they're generally in Texas limited by the water available. So as certain water sources diminish, you're going to see fewer and fewer sales and theoretically those prices are going to go higher. Whereas your non-irrigated land, there's probably overall a more abundance of that land available.
4: That is Tyler Jacobs, partner broker with Hall & Hall. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau
2: Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers are catching up on unfinished field work. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi.
5: Well, Tropical Storm Harold did provide some much-needed relief to our drought conditions here in the lower coastal bend, but that big rain that came during the latter part of August did present some challenges. Most locations were fortunate enough to receive between two and a half Up to seven inches of rainfall as a result of that storm, and that much-needed moisture has proven to be a real boost to our grazing and pasture land, but it has created some real delays and some problems for our cotton farmers in many instances. The most notable is the fact that there was up to 15% of the cotton in our area that had not been harvested at the time the storm hit. That harvest has been slow to resume here in early September. Most of the fields that had not been harvested were late replanted fields that had really been moisture stressed to produce much of a yield as a result of that ongoing drought. And now farmers are facing the dilemma of having to go to the expense of applying expensive harvest aid leaf drop treatments, as well as the cost of harvesting that crop when it's not likely to pay the bills. So many farmers have requested that the insurance adjusters re-examine those fields to determine whether or not they will be harvested. Now, although those rains came to our area with that tropical storm, Harold, it was a blessing for livestock and hay producers. It's proving to be very problematic to the cotton farmers who were not lucky enough to have everything out of the field at the time the storm hit. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring.
6: Last year, there was a good number of two-year-old Jakes out there on the landscape for hunters. I'm Jessica Dolnwold, and I'll have details on how that has impacted Texas turkey population this year, coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And hock problems are common in performance horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
2: The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention October 8th through the 10th at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening
2: in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Hock problems are common in performance horses. Dr. Bob Judd says there are several methods of treating hock issues.
9: Hawk disease may first be noticed with only a slight stiffness in one or both rear legs. Horses with hawk disease can also develop a sore back secondary to hawk disease as the painful hawk is causing the horse to move differently and can lead to back pain. The hock is composed of 12 bones and four joints, so it is important to determine the affected joints before treating. To determine which joints are involved, your veterinarian will numb the different joints with local anesthetic injections, and then perform a lameness exam to determine numbing which joints are painful. Typically, the joints involved are the lower hock joints, which are the distal intertarsal and tarsometatarsal. These joints move relatively little and mostly provide shock absorption. The upper hock joint has greater movement, but arthritis is not as common as in the lower joints. Pain in the hock must be differentiated from disease of the suspensory ligament or osteochondritis desiccans, which can require different treatments. Lots of trainers and owners want their horses' hocks injected for arthritis because the disease is common. But it is important to make sure that arthritis is the issue before treating as your vet could be treating the wrong condition without a definitive diagnosis. Pain and inflammation is commonly treated with cortisone injected in the joints if arthritis is the issue. However, this is a treatment that should only be performed every three to six months as cartilage damage can occur. Hyaluronic acid can also be injected in the joints and adequate injected in the muscle is helpful. The last resort is surgically fusing the lower heart joints to decrease the pain. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Last year, there was a good number of jakes in the woods. Jessica Domel takes a look at how that will affect the turkey population this year.
6: The general wild turkey hunting season in Texas opens in early November. And Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there should be a good number of young and older turkeys out there.
7: We're going to see more jakes going into our young birds, our six-month-old birds this fall, our one-year-old birds going into spring. We're going to see quite a few jakes. Last year, we went into it with quite a few two-year-olds and we saw our harvest bump up a little bit based on the number of two-year-old birds out there on the landscape. We're going to be missing that two-year-old bird component for the most part going into this fall and spring just due to the lack of production last year and you know a little bit of harvest that occurs. But we're fortunate here in Texas, for those of us that are turkey hunters, because there's not a lot of hunting effort that goes on these birds compared to states across the southeast we did a banding study statewide from about 2015 to 2020 banded thousands of birds and we're trying to get a harvest rate off that banding data. We had some reward bands out there to to make sure we weren't just having people pocketing bands. And what we found was that we had a really low harvest rate. Our hen harvest rate was really low, which is good for sustaining that population. But even at our highest, we're at about 13% harvest rate. So that means that 87% of the males out there on the landscape are carried over from year to year. They aren't harvested. And you have a little bit of mortality here and there, natural mortality. But for the most part, we see really good carry over on our adult mills. so harvest is limited once you get into that adult stage you have good carryover and less mortality so yeah there should be quite a few of the older birds out there on the landscape this year
6: that was tpwd's jason harden for the texas farm bureau radio network i'm jessica Domel.
2: another nice run-up in the cattle market to wrap up the trading week friday we'll take a look at all of the livestock cotton grain energy and financial markets coming up next keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Ag Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
2: The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention October 8th through the 10th at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org.
1: We're giving you the market information you
2: need on Texas Ag today. The cattle market had a great day on Friday in both cash and futures. We'll start with that cattle futures market. where October live cattle up a $1. dollar 45, 18692, the December up a $1. dollar 47, 19182, February live cattle up a dollar 35 at 19632. Even bigger gains in the feeder cattle market, September feeders up 220, 257.37, October feeder cattle up 260, 264.47, with November feeders up 327 to close at 268.12. Cash market saw a nice gain this week as well. Here in the Southern Plains, we sold cash-fed cattle at 183. That's three bucks higher compared to last week. In the northern plains we've seen live sales 183 to 185 this week, dressed cattle bringing 292, that's steady to 2 bucks higher. Boxed beef prices lower on Friday, choice down a penny, 30636 select down 215 at 28471. Now let's check those sale barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman's my
7: guest. He sold cattle in Caldwell on Wednesday. Carl, I understand it was a good one. Tell these folks about it.
8: You know,
0: we had a good sale yesterday. We had uh, uh, over 1,200 head uh, yesterday for 130 consigners and 54 buyers on a steady calf and cow market. We had 250 cows and bulls yesterday. Slaughter cows 70 to 130. Slaughter bulls 85 to 128. Stocker cows 1100 to 1350. And the pairs 1150 to 1400. On the calf side, on the steers, two three weight steers brought 225 to 275. Three to four. Four weights 250 to 320. Four to five weight steers 225 to 302. Five to six weights 215 to 257. Six to seven weights 204 to 250. And the seven to eight weight steers brought 201 to 232. On the heifer side, two to three weights $2 to 220. Three to four weights 207 to 245. Four to five weight heifers 218 to 265. Five to six weights brought 211 to 257. Six to seven weights were 206 to 250. And the seven to eight weight heifers 192 to 205. Like it has been the last several weeks, a lot of, a lot of good strings of kids. And uh, uh, the market's good, and uh, uh, it's a uh, it's a good time to be in the cattle business right now. It is. Do you know of anything for next week? Yes, sir. I've got a, a, a customer that's uh, getting a little older and and just sold his place, and and uh, uh, we're going to go get his cows. He's got forty three pairs, and they're going to be uh, uh, like four, five, and six year old Brangus pairs. Uh, they're going to be really nice. They're really good. He's he's uh, known to sell a few bulls and some replacement heifers. So uh, these cattle will be uh, be front pasture kind. Well, tell everybody how to get some of those front pasture cattle. Okay, my number is 979 Call the barn, 567 Here to Giddings and Surrounding Area, call Max Everett, 540 We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, sir, Larry. Thank you. And, neighbor,
7: thank you for listening to Walk in the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I put it together today with the help
2: of Carl Herman from Caldwell Livestock Commission Company. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs were steady to lower Friday October hogs down 22 cents at 8312 December hogs unchanged 7510 Class 3 milk steady to lower also September milk unchanged 1840 100 weight with October milk down 12 at 1813 100 Cotton market has been very volatile over the last week or so. We've seen those big triple-digit moves both up and down. Well, Friday was one of those down days. October cotton dropped 108 points, 85.39. December cotton down 136 at 86.44. With March cotton down 87 points, 87.36 cents. The corn market continues to drift lower. That USDA WASDI report that came out Tuesday showing a big increase in the corn crop, second largest corn crop we've ever grown in the United States. Uh, That's keeping pressure on the market, keeping a lid on prices. December corn dropped four and a quarter at 476 and a quarter. March corn down four cents at 490 and a half, with May corn down three and three quarters, 499 a bushel. The wheat market finished higher, both hard and soft wheat. Now, Russia has been undercutting the world on the world wheat market with lower prices than everyone else. And so that's pressured our prices here over the last couple of weeks. However, that Russia-Ukraine war is still nasty, and it's affecting the grain industry there. And that continues to support prices. December, Kansas City wheat up 10 cents, 7.46 and a half. December Chicago wheat up 10.5 at six oh four and a quarter. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down 5 cents, 265. October West Texas crude up 92 at 9,108 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon. The Dow dropping 291 points, 34,615. The NASDAQ down 223 at 13,702. The S&P down 55 at 4,450. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to
1: Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,